The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new, uh, fresh and me, fresh from NY, but back at the crib version of Critical and Thinking Podcast, Ty Barnett. Ian Harris. Um, and oh, we've got a special guest today, uh, our friend uh, Richard Carrier. Richard, hello. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Tell people, we like to let people just introduce themselves. Tell people a little bit about, a lot of people know who you are. Actually, oddly enough, before I even introduce you, um, a friend of mine from the from my gym, who uh, I had no idea, you know, pays attention to any of this kind of stuff, but I tweet, I, I, I tweeted it and I, and I posted on Facebook, you know, that tomorrow we're going to have Richard Carrier on. And last night he goes... You're gonna have Richard Carrier on? Oh my! I love Richard Carrier. I'm like, he goes, he goes, how'd you get that? I'm like, I know. Him. I'm like, you know Richard Carrier? I'm like, well, I never, I just, you, you would have thought you were like Khabib Nurmagomedov for, uh, for a fighter. He was like Richard Carrier. So yeah, yeah so right. Kind of a new fan today. But anyway, so tell cool. people a little bit about what you do and who you are. Yeah, uh, I'm a historian and philosopher, uh, mostly write uh, religion critical stuff. Uh, and um, so I blog uh, at richardcarrier.info, that's .info, and I write books. I've got, well, now uh, nine books. So well, my ninth Whoa. book just just published this uh, this month, which I guess we'll talk about. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, By I write. Way, that's, all, that's only nine more than me. Just so <laughs> well, it's what I do for a living, right? So uh, that and I, I'm in a writing in general. And, and, um, and you going by my motivation at the moment. That's twelve more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I also I, I, I teach online courses uh, and and do a variety of other stuff. Uh, so all the things about me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook, all that stuff. It's at richardcarrier.info, uh, or take my courses, uh, which are affordable, and you get the chance to basically hit a PhD in ancient history and intellectual history with all the questions you ever had on various subjects. So uh, I'm teaching, well, eventually 12 subjects. So I've got nine up now, but you can check that out on my website and see what's going on. Nice. Uh, but also my books, uh, that's all there. So I've written on everything from history to philosophy, ancient science, the origins of Christianity, um, and so on. So nice. that's, that's so basically what I do. Ancient science. So you write about the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sadly, ancient scientists were much more pro-science than Trump. Right. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're... And knew more. They knew more about right. science than Trump. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, blood go ahead, go ahead, good go ahead, compared go ahead, to go Trump. No, that's it. Oh, I was going to say, so I, I know where Ian stands religiously uh, and you having a history, uh, studying the history of these types of things. Where are you religiously? Uh, oh, I'm totally an atheist, of course. Um, in fact, my, my philosophical work, I'm, I'm specifically known for defending a naturalist worldview, like trying to build it out and explain how this makes sense. And I do it in the counter to, you have a lot of these Christian apologists who write the Christian worldview. They write whole books on this. Why, why the Christian worldview explains everything and integrates every aspect of your life. And I was like, well, actually, that's what a worldview should do. Um, but you just have the wrong one. Uh, and so what I do is I, I, I actually make positive case for an atheist worldview rather than just making my atheism about, I just don't believe in God. I make it about, I actually have positive beliefs in the nature of life, the nature of the universe. And, and how would we explain all of these things and how does that inform us as persons? Uh, so I do a lot of, I do a lot of that. I, I write in that particular field, which is, uh, philosophical naturalism, 
uh, on, you know, if nature is all there is, then, then there, there has to be a lot of ways that we can explain things uh, without a God. Right. And so that's, that's what I do. So I do that philosophically, do a lot of stuff and, you know, all the stuff, epistemology, ontology, all those uh, fancy philosophical subjects. All so, the ologies. No, uh, yes, yes. So, so tell us, and you got a new history, book. I, you can, I have to say in history, I'm very, very anti-Christian. I'll say like a very much tearing down the Christian apologetic and triumphalist narratives. You'd mentioned ancient science. Like one of the big things is that Christians claim that Christianity is responsible for modern science. And if it wasn't for Christianity, there wouldn't be science today. Um, it's a completely false claim, but to, to know that it's false requires actually an understanding how science used to be before Christianity took over. Uh, and so I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Even when I do my ancient science book, uh, which is scientist in the early Roman empire, it's all about the scientists, but I do have a chapter in there about how, how ab absolutely opposite the Christians were on almost every value issue related to ancient science. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm known for my, uh, you know, intense criticism of Christianity. You know, um, I, I love them. I love them already. <laughs> my, my friend, uh, my friend was asking, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I just wanted to know if you knew anything about this. And if so, you got to send me some, this, uh, my friend who was talking last, I was talking to you about the gym at the gym last night. he, I could tell he listens to all kinds of stuff like Joe Rogan and, you know, and like we, you know, he, he knew, he knew yeah. a bunch of different people and read different, some stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's real, but he, he was really into this whole thing about how early religious people took mescaline or, or mushrooms. That is, that has been going the circuit lately. I know there's a, yeah, there's that, at least, and I'm like, I haven't heard this, but yeah, but a I little mean, bit. the idea kind of started getting popularized by Jordan Peterson was kind of pushing the idea. And then, I know Joe Rogan just did a show, maybe more than one show on it. Uh, and so I've been getting a lot of questions just recently about this. So it's funny that you bring it up. Uh, it's clearly now fashionable. I mean, it's been around for a while. Like this idea has been, it, right. it comes and goes. Um, well, they I were definitely on something. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, the funny thing is, is that, that when I wrote my book uh, on the historicity of Jesus, which was a postdoc research project and it's a peer reviewed book, it's like a serious academic book. I did do a whole section on hallucination and visions theory, right? right. Uh, we have a lot of science on this. And, and the fact of the matter is that humans are actually inherently built to hallucinate, that uh, our Western cultures are actually highly unusual uh, in the ethnographic record that we suppress hallucination. We actually denigrate it as a sign of mental illness, whereas it was actually fairly commonplace and respected in most cultures throughout history. Uh, and you don't need to take drugs to do it. That's the thing is like, we, we can naturally hallucinate through, we have certain things like uh, sleep deprivation, uh, you know, ritualistic chanting, mm -hmm. you know, you can achieve altered states of consciousness. I did this as a Taoist, just through meditation. I could achieve altered states of consciousness just through natural mechanisms. You don't need drugs. Um, but I mean, obviously the drugs hugely accelerate, facilitate uh, right. the experience. And we do have some evidence that some religions sometimes involve drugs uh, in, in their right. achievement of visionary states. But it's actually, there's no evidence that early Christianity started that way or that it was ubiquitous, ubiquitously common. Um, but it's definitely tons of evidence that the earliest Christians were hallucinating left and right. Like they were, you know, having trance uh, experiences, spirit communications, the whole, you know, like you walk into a Pentecostal church today and they're having like angelic communications coming through to them. And that, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. Uh, there's no drugs involved. They just get themselves into an ecstatic well, state where they can have this altered state of consciousness and experience. Well, also look at look at like we have we've seen mass hallucinations. Um, I'm trying to always remember the name. There's uh, well, the Fatima. Fatima uh, is, is Fatima's the most the famous case yeah. where people just it, it it's a good example of mass hysteria where the suggestion was passed that that you can see Mary up in the sky. And 
so everybody started looking at the sun and of course you start looking at the sun it's going to completely mess with your perception but if you go at it by, by the way by the way the, I, I learned from trump the only way to do that is during an eclipse <laughs> you can look directly at the sun but anyway also not advisable right. but <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in if you're predisposed you're in an ecstatic state uh you're emotionally heightened and you're predisposed to see a certain thing and you do that, you will see, you say, oh my God, there's the Virgin Mary. And we have an example of like hundreds of people, more than hundreds, I think in this particular case, claimed to have seen the Virgin Mary up in, up in the sky. Um, but we have actual video, I think, or if we don't have video, we have, we have other witnesses who said, ah, that's not what I saw. Like I just, people yeah. were just looking at the sun. Um, <laughs> so so it, it is, uh, people convince themselves that they see a thing uh, and you can have it happen and mass. Uh, we have yeah. like the, sh the shaker cults have examples of this. Um, the Pentecostal experience. There's a lot of uh, religions, uh, in, you know, pagan as well as you know Christian and others, where you can get groups into mass hysteria states. These, these, and they they really genuinely believe they're all seeing collectively some, the same thing. Of course, they're not comparing notes scientifically. Like, well, does, right. does you know, is it, how how tall is he? Right? It's like they're they're not like you know what is he wearing? They're they're not getting into those details. They say, oh, I see Jesus. Oh, I see Jesus too. Now, of course, if you could look at what they're through their eyes or through their eye of their mind and see, they'd probably see it each one is constructing a different Jesus in their head, but, but they all agree that, Oh, it's Jesus. It must be the same guy. Right. And so like it's, whether it's Jesus or the God Apollo or whatever it is, uh, we have lots of examples of that uh, happening. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, it's a natural, it doesn't require drugs. That's the other thing. People at the Fatima experience were not high on drugs. Yeah. I think, and, but that's, that's why like, uh, Ian and I've, you know, we've known each other for a while and he knows like when we've, he knows that I pray, like I, 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 I but I'm also not a person that goes to church. Like I'm not a person that, I mean, we only went when we were kids because we were made to go when they had yeah. really lemon cake. That was the only, <laughs> but <That's>, yeah, <laughs> it's a good example of, of how churches are desperate to survive. <laughs> it's a lemon cake, bro. Lemon cake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fucking, if they didn't have a lemon cake, they'd be done for it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Jesus. We got lemon cake. Got lemon cake. But I, I would also often tell them that, the way I was raised was with this idea of it being a higher power that, that, you know, kind of watches out for us. And there, there, there are parts of me that still likes to believe that, but in the last three, four years, a lot of that has changed. I, I, I won't go so far as to say that I don't believe there is a, a bigger energy than us because if it's just us, we're fucked. You know what I'm saying? This is a prime example of why we're fucked because, yeah. you know, but I do, I am starting to see more of, of why people question religion, why people question um, certain, certain things in history. And like, to, I want to go, like David just said something uh, and David Jenkins just said something, by the way, thank you for everybody for tuning in. Stay with us. This is actually going to be a, a super great show. David says uh, Pentecostal churches do not engage in altered states of consciousness when they are engaged in speaking in tongues. Uh, and he just laughed. So, um, <laughs> and, and so like, so, so I guess my question, so, when they find <laughs> so I guess my question is, because I know how Christianity and religion has been used to enslave black folks, because it's still happening now. Yeah. Like, like I see it now. We're, we're one of the most forgiving 
cultures on this planet because we've been <laughs> told to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just forgive your oppressors and, and you will you will get into heaven. I mean, your life may be shitty here, but when you get over there, it's going to be okay. And do you see, do, have you seen that example? Have you seen how when you read and you study the history, like, oh, shit, I can see how that would apply to this. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I do have a second. I have another section on the cargo cults in my book on the historicity of Jesus, and and one of the things that's been noted by anthropologists uh, is how religions, religious uh, revolutions, basically revolutions within religion, start a certain way. They start very radical. They start very. They they start typically very socialist, very egalitarian, uh, and because they're they're rebelling against the sort of hierarchical, sort of oppressive system uh, of what whatever it is. Uh, and what happens is over with like within three generations, these hierarchical people take over the church and institutionalize it. And it becomes the exact same thing that they rebelled against originally. Uh, and we see this time and time and again, religion after religion after religion and Christianity fits this mold. Exactly. When it started out, it was very egalitarian. Uh, it was very socialistic. Uh, it was very radical, uh, very much like, you know, fuck the system. We're going to create our own utopian system within the system and then wait for the world to end uh, and then we'll be saved. That was how it started out, right? Uh, within three, four generations, of course, it became an institution where we're, we're reinforcing gender hierarchy, we're reinforcing uh, status hierarchy, like everything just went back to the way it was and just using the religion to push this narrative and make people conform like, oh yeah, God chose you to be poor. So you're, you're, you're actually blessed you're blessed to be poor right that's like you're you're gonna be even better rewarded in the hen in heaven in the future right but but you have to really stay poor don't, stop trying to like talk none of this socialist stuff like don't talk about that anymore uh there's a famous example where tertullian was complaining about these certain what to him were fringe sects but they're probably remnants of the original christianity where there's women saying well we should be equal in power and and, and authority that we should be priests and stuff and because paul said and and he did uh that it once you become baptized there is no longer male or female there's no longer jew or greek there's no longer these distinctions slave or free we're all equals so we should have equality and 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 tertullian's like well hell no we, we no 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 that's that's totally heretical uh barbaric radical it. stuff and and so he's, Hold he's up pushing, on that exactly now. he's pushing he's pushing the line that became catholicism and what happened right. nuns have to basically shut up and be quiet and be there in their convents they don't never have power they never have access to the papacy at least yeah. not not officially or legally uh, and uh, and the nuns are basically the Vestal Virgins. They're basically they took right. this Vestal Virginhood sure. and and turned it into the nuns. But if you compare the Vestal Virgins under the ancient Romans, they had a lot of power and authority and respect. Right. Like they were politically significant, whereas nuns be basically became erased and disempowered entirely. Right. And so it's like Christianity took even the model that the pagans had, which was already fairly right. sexist, and just made it even more sexist. And then and then used the religion to justify why we're doing that. Well, and uh, and, and, the, and exactly like you pointed out with slavery, the exact same thing happened. Uh, it's, and it's also, if you think about it, like you said, you know, I don't know why more people don't automatically realize this. I mean, first off, uh, we know how many times it's been rewritten. We don't have any old versions of Bibles and whatever that, that are that way. We, we don't, we know basically Nicaea, what was it? Three, 323. Yeah. So, but around that, yeah. what a turning, what was it? Around then. Yeah. Yeah. Around three, you're right. And, but we know that before that, Christianity, the Romans 
were the oppressors. Christianity were the, like you said, against, and then all of a sudden Constantine, they rewrite everything and they become the Christians. And it's yeah. like, just be, the, 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 the masters became the religion of the slave. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, we're just going to take this over. And everyone was like, cool. Basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, years later, of course, start persecuting pagans, doing all the same things that right. they were complaining about. Oh, how unjust that you persecuted us! Right. And now we're like, we're, we're just you. We're basically just became you. It become their enemy. Basically, it, it right. become a mirror image of their enemy and use their religion to justify it. And that, and that's why, like, I think, and I, I've written about this a few times, where like I've never, I've never really looked at religion the way I look at it now, with with the last, you know few years or whatever and people that i thought were decent people have really just turned out to be shitty people with uh, a, a, a quote-unquote decent facade yeah using christianity right is that what yeah, you're exactly yeah. and, and like i've had i've had people say they're uh they're totally cool with the kids in cages uh because at least <laughs> they're alive to experience being in cages and, <laughs> yeah no that's yeah i get it yeah i've heard that and it, it's just, and this is why I say, like, I. It, it's hard to. It's it's hard sometimes when you have people that have changed their life because of religion for a good. Like I had a friend yeah. of mine who was on drugs, and he he's super religious. Mookie, you know Mookie. He was on drugs. He changed his life because of religion, and now he's been drug free all this time. So I'll never. I don't. I don't like to shit on anybody's belief system like that. Right. But what I don't do anymore is when it, it, whenever someone tells me they're religious, back in the day, it used to be this thing of, okay, well then sounds like you're pretty decent. Now when they say it, I'm like, <laughs> ah, yeah. Wait, it's, it, it yeah, reminds you're, you're me trying of, too hard. That's the, it, yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of, of Jim Short. Jim Short used to do this joke that always cracked me up, uh, comedian. He'd say, Christians always have to tell you that they're Christians because you would never know it by their deeds and actions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite, favorite line. But you know, it's, it's, I, I, I tell people this all the time. I mean, and Richard, like we've, we've heard, you know, you've heard this a thousand times in, in our circles, but it always trips me out when, when you're arguing morality, um, I mean, you know, or ethics or whatever you want to call it, when you're arguing those things with Christians or with religious people in general, they always tell you that without without this book, they would be shitty people. So when you try yeah. to tell them, you go, no, no, your morality doesn't come from God. Your morality comes from you. And the fact is that you know that because you don't not rape people and not murder people because a book says so. <clears throat> without that book, you still wouldn't rape and kill people. Yeah. 90% of people, obviously 99% of people are like, yeah, that's true. I probably wouldn't rape. There, I have run across a pretty decent handful of people that have said, no, I would probably rape and kill if I didn't have this book. <laughs> those people, I'm like, have two books, bro. Have as many yeah, yeah. books as you need. Those people probably have done or are doing those yes. things. And right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're talking about a sociopath. There's a, a famous example. I think David Wood, the Christian apologist, himself has come out and said, oh, yeah, I'm a sociopath. Like, I, I, If it wasn't for Christianity, I wouldn't do all these good things. Um, but I'm deeply suspicious of how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of how in his relations and how he treats people and 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 so on, like I would be deeply deeply suspicious of of and him if I, if I were in his community, basically. 
I did. I didn't want. I know we kind of moved on, but I, I don't want to ignore this. Um, and we can speak to it for a second, or at least bring it up. Because uh, Zen made a comment earlier when we were talking about hallucinations. Just so you know, we got like three streams going, Richard. So we yeah, yeah, no, I love it. People. No, I bounce around. But, Let's do it. So he asked. He said. He goes. He goes. Can we talk? Or he goes. Can you? He talked about the context in differentiating. And this is funny because it came up last night. I brought this up to my friend. I, uh, between hallucinations causing hallucinogens, causing hallucinations, as opposed to people pushing the notion that these are ancient people reach some higher form of consciousness. Oh. And I get that now all the time where I hear people go, yeah, but man, I saw this. And like my friend last night said, what about all these people seem to see the same things in different cultures? So here they take this and they see this image. And over here they take this and they see this image. And I'm like, first off, I don't know that they do. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, that's the first step. It's like, is all, that even true? Right, yeah. Right, and then also does our brain that could still mean that when you're on LSD, your brain warps things so certain people see this type of imagery. I yeah. mean, we know that we can stimulate no, this is true. and create, create yeah. a, a near-death experience. So yeah. why not hallucination, hallucinogens cause certain... But this idea that they've reached... People go, well, how do you know they haven't gone to another dimension? I always hear that. How do you know they haven't yeah. gone somewhere well, else? Let me walk you through the physics of this. <laughs> right. right. What I would do is like scientifically, that is the least likely explanation. Everybody. Right. Uh, but that's but, the one most people say. Like you hear the yeah. Joe Rogans and stuff. They're like, bro, I feel like I'm in another dimension and I had visions and, and it took me someplace else. And that wasn't just my brain, man. It's like, yeah, it was actually, <laughs> which is still amazing. It like that's the other thing. Right. People are worried about that, taking that away from them. Like, oh, they can't be special if it was just in my brain. Well, yeah, of course it can be. It's, it's like uh, the famous example that I mentioned in my book, Sense and Goodness Without God, which is the book that I go through naturalism as a worldview, the whole thing. And, and I get a whole section on art, like theory of art. And we have good neuroscientific explanations of why certain things attract us and certain things don't like even patterns even like fashion you can even explain like interior design like there's a lot of things that our brains are just made a certain way that find certain things pleasing and calming or beautiful uh and um and the 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 I forget where I was going with this. So we were talking about... Um, you need some of those hallucinogens. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so whether or not they're, they're going so, to another place or whether they're... Yeah, serious. yeah. So they're, the, oh, the the joke was, it's not even a joke. It, they're meant it seriously, these, these neuroscientists of art. And they say like, well, if we fully explain, and we can orgasm in terms of just the biology like the chemistry the chem you know the, the physics ladies the brain if you're listening and watching please pay attention please pay attention. <laughs> but does that if we fully explain why orgasm feels the way it does and, and happens the way it does do you stop enjoying orgasms like does right. that did that rob you of that experience no of course not it doesn't have any effect on that at all so it only like if explaining like yeah it was all in your head these these hallucinations the these these experiences you had your brain constructed them but that's actually pretty remarkable in and of itself, right? And and that tells you a lot about like what your brain is thinking and what it's trying to tell you, what's in your brain, like what the you know, what's in the attic of your brain. It's building this stuff, how it works. You can get a lot of value out of that anyway. It doesn't have to be access right. to an exterior reality for it to be valuable and useful and and rewarding, sure. right? Uh, and I, I say this when people talk about that all the time. I talk about my life as a, as a Taoist. I was never, so I was raised like nominally Christian. My family was very super liberal Christian, but I was never required to believe. And uh, my first true faith, like what I really believed 
was Taoism. I had a religious experience that converted me to Taoism. I became a philosophical meditative Taoist, did a lot of meditating, you know, had altered states of consciousness because of it uh, and so on. Um, and that was super valuable for me. I learned a lot. It made me a better person. Uh, and you were talking about like, uh, you know, religion transforming you. It really did transform me. It really sa it saved me in many ways. Um, now, in hindsight, you know, eventually I realized it was all bogus. It was all my brain doing this stuff to me. Uh, but I still see the value of the lessons I learned, like sure, the, right. and, and 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 the value of the there are aspects of the philosophy that are good. There are aspects of the philosophy I disagree with now, right? And so there's like, oh, okay, if I step back and examine it critically, I can take what's valuable from that, get rid of what's bogus and doesn't hold up, uh, and and move on and and still be an atheist and a naturalist and still have benefited from you know, the altered states of consciousness and the religious experience and, and the things that I learned from that religion. Um, but of course that is a non-oppressive religion. So it's, right. that's a different experience, but it was the same, everything that Christians say, like, Oh, it changed my life. And Oh, it was seemed so real. And all of the things that they say is like, yeah, that's, that's what happened to me, except it was the Tao and not Jesus. Right. So that, that kind of like proves that it, you can do this with anything really. Uh, yeah. You just have to convince yourself that it's true. Well, I tell, I tell like a lot of my Christian friends, like, and, and I know this isn't, a, especially for, uh, probably from you, you'd probably be like, oh no. But <laughs> one, one of my, one, uh, I've read so many books, um, you know, my whole life about, about religion and, you know, uh, his, whether just Jesus and, and Muhammad and all these different people where they were historical, I've read uh, everything you could possibly imagine. And one of the guys I read early on, who I use in this, as an example all the time, even though I don't totally agree with him. I think he's disingenuous a lot, and I really think he's probably a closet atheist. But is is John Crossan? Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so John Crossan, yeah. John Dominic Crossan, for those of you who don't, he's he is a historian, and he he writes a lot of good stuff about historical Jesus, and he's also a Catholic priest, um, and considers himself a Christian and very religious. But even he he doesn't he overtly says it sometimes, and he kind of says other times where he's basically <laughs> like, I don't think this is real. I'm a priest. I don't think it's real, but I'm a Christian because I like these aspects of Christianity. And I like, even if it's allegorical, I like the fact, like, I think he may think that Jesus was a real person. I'm not sure on that, but he basically oh, yeah. is saying yeah, all this other stuff is not, was that? Yeah. He's a historicist for sure. Yeah. But I think he, but he basically says like, oh yeah, all the super yeah. supernatural stuff is nonsense. And he's a freaking priest. Yeah. But he basically says, I'm a Christian because I like the idea of yeah. what Jesus represents and I can still follow that. Mm -hmm. And I tell these people who are like fighting it, they don't believe it, but they're yeah. fighting it. I'm like, you know, you could still, you could know all this is nonsense and you could still go, oh, this is some cool lessons I've learned. Right, right. Like, um, you don't have, I mean- Although yeah. there's a lot of shitty lessons in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I, this, is, this is the problem I have with that. Uh, and that's true. And that makes them better people, I think. Uh, the, the more you allegorize your religion, the more you make it a metaphor, the, the easier it is you can escape the structures that are toxic in religion sure. and, and use your religion in, in a good direction rather than a bad one. Um, but it, it's still, if you, if you keep clinging to those things, that it, you, you're clinging to an epistemology that makes you susceptible to being deceived in ways that are still bad, right? And so I, I do, I do criticize even liberal Christianity. Although I, I make the point like liberal Christians are way better than conservative Christians, so I have no problem with <laughs> that transition. Like that, that's at least an improvement. It's at least in the right direction. Excellent. Right. Uh, but I would like to see people move all the way to humanism, all the way to secular humanism, yes. because then you, you, and even then, like, like 
you can move to atheism and still adopt toxic ideologies and still like have your own mythology that you've, you've rewritten the way the world works and have all these really bad ideas. So like getting rid of religion does not save you inherently, right? You, you have to have this true critical thought that that's not like total skepticism, but is at least like, where should I actually be landing on these ideas and why? Like an evidence-based reasoning and stuff. I, that's what I push, right? It's, so I don't push just get out of religion, then everything will be hun- hunky-dory. No, you, you've got still got some work to do. Um, but yeah, the, the, the religion thing, you're talking about Christianity, there's a book by Hector Avalos called The End of Biblical Studies. Um, that uh, this has a whole section on liberal Christianity and why that actually doesn't work. And it's like, actually, you shouldn't be trying to rescue these really toxic scriptures. You should be moving on to much better written things that have much better value right. messages and things like that. Uh, and in a way, we've done that secularly, like uh, fiction. Um, you know, the, we have like the, we have the Star Trek saga. Like we have this whole mythology of Star Trek that we know is myth, right? We know it's all fiction. Right. But we can argue moral lessons from Star Trek episodes without having to believe that they really happened, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you can pick an episode and say, well, this really communicated this really important message. You don't have to believe that it happened. Obviously it's writers made it up and actors performed it, but it, it communicates a really important moral message. And I think that's... Yeah. That's how, yeah, that's the best way to use religion. The problem is that once you do that and you start looking at the, you start seeing the scriptures that way and you, you start looking, oh my God, these are pretty horrible. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the Old Testament especially, but even Jesus, like I have a, I have an article on my blog called, um, I think the, the Real War on Christmas, the fact that Christmas is better than Christ. Uh, is the title. <laughs> and I go into like how we secularize Christmas and everything we've done to Christmas has actually improved it. Yeah, it's made it more moral. Whereas all the religious shit you want to add to it actually is really horrible stuff. And the first paragraph leads right out, like Jesus is an asshole. Gospel Jesus is a horrible person. You would hate him if you've ever met him in person. And then I go link after link after link of examples from the Bible. It's like, yeah, if you actually read it like from like an alien who came and didn't have any presuppositions about Jesus and you looked at it and you're like, this guy's terrible. Why, why did anybody like him? Uh, whereas when people say like, what would Jesus do? They have constructed a version of Jesus in their, their heads that is a better person than the one that's depicted in the gospels. Right. Uh, and so they're, they're actually just creating this ideal. What I think is the ideal moral person. And then saying, I should be like that person. And I'm like, that's a great, method you should totally do that we call that philosophy right (laughs) tam over here goes what do you mean star trek isn't real (laughs) (laughs) but anyway that's my take on that but to loop back to you're talking about the hallucination the commonalities of things there's a really good book on this uh in quest of the shaman uh written by uh i think a husband and wife team they're anthropologists and they go they look at ancient art and then go through the history of shamanism from the earliest history earliest historical records of human existence at all, which is art, right? And, and going up through the thing, and they say like, there's a lot of patterns that are very similar in terms of like the way they do art, the way they depict their visions and so on. We think shamanism is this hallucinatory phenomenon. People who are more prone to it get idolized and basically become the shaman of the community. They get respected. Uh, and then they become the oracle of the community and, and so on. So that hallucination was more of a respected role. But the key thing is that internationally, globally, historically, there are these commonalities in terms of how visions proceed and certain certain geometric aspects in particular uh, and feelings like the the emotional aspects are universal, but that's because there are universal aspects of the brain. The brain works universally a certain way. 
then then you layer all these mythologies and and doctrines on top of it which are not universal they're different everywhere uh and and even the ones that are universal are defensible secularly right like the golden rule like you see the golden rule pop up multiple times through multiple cultures not exclusive to christianity at all um but that's because that's through just social interaction trial and error you realize that that actually is a good rule just based on evidence of how things work, that that's a good way to organize it. And then, of course, now we know with game theory, we can explain with game theory why the golden rule is a good rule. And you can explain it in terms of social systems interact a certain way. That is actually just the, one of the best rules to apply. Uh, and But of course, you know, when you're in this intuitive state, you, you might come to this realization not knowing all the steps of reasoning your brain went through to get there. And so you explain it, oh, a God told me this, or a spirit told me this, or the Tao, I, my contact with the Tao gave me this information. You're misattributing where it actually came from. It is actually evidence-based reasoning. You just don't know that. Uh, and so I think that's where you get this commonality across religions and cultures. Uh, and yeah, if you're going to have drugs that are going to super hyper-accelerate your hallucination, you're going to hyper-accelerate your access to these exact same emotional states, the exact same geometric patterns you're going to see a lot of like similar perceptual events synesthesia is a common phenomenon in under hallucination and we know there are people who are natural synesthetes that they cross uh perceptual domains so they hear smells and see color or you know see sounds and you know the, so that this this is all normal and explicable through brain chemistry it doesn't require any extra dimensional stuff basically sure. um and that's what that's what trips me out is like when people say, you know, like there's certain principles of religion that are great. Love thy neighbor and all that stuff. That's fantastic. It's also that's a good way to be. And, you know, uh, but I also feel like that when I drink tequila. But <laughs> so that's so access to your intuitive state. So that's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's actually that's good. That's good evidence. That's evidence of your of your good character. Actually, I, I, I'm a firm believer in in vino veritas. There you go. I'm exactly. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one yeah, of those. Yeah. So if someone is a mean drunk, that tells me that they're a mean person. It's right? and, and and when they're not drunk, they're just suppressing their meanness and maybe are making it passive aggressive or something. Yep. Actually, Ty Ty is Ty is a great joke. Uh, I don't think you do. I don't think you do that often anymore. Time, but you used to that joke about people say that somebody was said something racist, and they're like, "Oh, they were, oh, they were drinking." And you're like, yeah, that's uh, you're like, man, I got, I, I got yep. so drunk, I was so racist last night. That's that's <laughs> it. That's like because what did say? I was so racist last night. Uh, I was saying the n word all over the place. It's like, man, I got to stop drinking white zen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else about. Hey, man. Uh, I think you've had enough. You're starting oh. to get a little anti-Semitic. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. You got another one for the road? Nah, I'm starting to feel a little no, anti-Semitic. <laughs> that's what it is. But let me ask you, so, okay, so um, I, every week I try to uh, uh, play around with the screen share thing. So uh, I'm going to show you the uh, what it says here, and you already know this, but I want to show it to, to our, our viewers as well. Um, when it says, oh, wait a minute, uh, host disabled attendees screen sharing. I don't know why that is, Paul, but that's the second time it's done that. But Oh, uh, you should be cool oh. now. There he is. Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, hold on. All right, so here we go. Share. So can you see this right here? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here is the, the description of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Skin of a darky <laughs> hue, uh, hair woolly in texture, bronze refined like bronze skin 
And that's in the book. Yeah. It's in, it's still in the book. But then now, and I typed there, description of Jesus in the Bible here, and just in the Bible. But then I go here and I type, <laughs> Image of Jesus. <laughs> hey, look at this. Yeah, yeah. There you it, go. It, there, there's some more accurate ones. See, yeah. and you see, but now when you go, the first ones, this is the universal. Yeah. This is the Michael Jordan of images of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right here. You know, and so. You know, there's another thing you don't know that, that's weird about those pictures. Uh, when, you, uh, when you look at, um, when you read early Christian apologists, Irenaeus, for example, um, various other authors from the second century, even from, from really within a hundred years, they're all convinced and they teach as doctrine that Jesus was ugly, uh, that he was not attractive. He was not a handsome man, uh, that he was, he was, he was basically cursed with a unattractive appearance. Um, and this yeah, was actually, that's why he was a good talker. Great personality. This is a common right. It's a common feature of hero narratives in general. So Socrates was famously unattractive. Aesop was famously unattractive. This this unattractiveness was actually a common feature of a lot of these like uh, clever sages of the ancient world. So it was actually that's probably why they started attributing ugliness to Jesus is because that was the thing that you did back then. It's like to be a true wise hero, you you can't be a handsome man, right? It's like, but that's that was their ideology at the time. But of course, that means that the earliest Christians that we have writings from outside the Bible were all convinced that Jesus was ugly. So in their head, they're seeing a completely different Jesus than than we're seeing in the pictures now. Where now he's like this ideal, almost Aryan. Uh, uh, concept, but of course you go culture to culture. You go to Turkey. Jesus is. Depicted. Could you imagine if, if darker, Could you imagine if the ugly Jesus was put in in all of the churches like that? That would really hurt central <laughs> casting. Central <laughs> casting would be messed up. It's like, yeah, we're looking for like a um, who's the guy uh, that was in Step Brothers? Not Will Ferrell. The other guy. The other guy. Um, Thomas Riley. Uh, Tom C. Riley. Yeah, we're Thomas looking for a Thomas C. Riley. <laughs> uh, just a little darker. <laughs> They're like, well, we were gonna ca cast Matthew McConaughey, but I guess uh, Paul Giamatta. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a tan, he's got exactly. yeah, exactly. to be bronze. Dark bronze him. Can we, can we go a little bit between Hustle Man, uh, yeah. Tracy Morgan, and uh, yeah. Yeah, a little Paul Giamatti in there. And, yeah. and but now here's what why why I brought that up is that this is still in the book. That, that a lot of people walk in the church with. Yeah. And I'm always like, well, wait a minute. Then why would you just not? Because you want to. Yeah, John C. Riley, by the way. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Like, you want to live by the book in every other way. Because I've brought this up with people yeah. who I'll say, so then what about that whole description thing? And I kid you not, every time I bring it up, they say, well, we can't really get caught up on appearances. Like, <laughs> then why why not change it i'm trying not to get caught up on appearances that's yeah, exactly this is what, what i'm trying not to do <laughs> and yet i am uh <laughs> no everything whether it's transphobia whether it's racism whether it's sexism whatever the issue is i always find that the best way to cut through all the bullshit is to not debate evidence right is no go right yeah. to why why do you care 
That's the question you ask. Like, like, why do you care who uses what restroom? Because when you ask that question, that that reveals the truth of what's really going on. Or they know that's going to happen and they start spinning lies and then you can catch them doing that too. Right. But yeah. it, it, with this too, like, why do you care so much that Jesus looks like this? Why are you so offended or so opposed to changing what Jesus looks like? Why do you care? Right. And that that's a really uncomfortable question for people. To well, see, and, that, and that's the thing is that's what they'll do to you. They'll be like, why does it matter? Why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah. it's them, right? It's like, yeah, you're like, care. because I want to be accurate. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, see now, and, and this is why, and I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up, uh, Richard, is that when you when you get to the nature of people, the nature of human beings who follow these religions, who who live their life by it, then you see their actions. You're like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like the book. Yeah, uh -huh. It doesn't sound like this. It says, love thy neighbor, not judge thy neighbor. It doesn't say. <laughs> yeah, very specific. It, it says, do not judge. Exactly. So, yeah. so, but when, when these people, like you said, why do you care what bathroom they go to? I always tell people, it's weird. When I was living in Chicago, there are certain things I, 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 I think now that I didn't think when I was living in Chicago. Like, um, as far as people being gay, it was never like a like a bashing people that were gay. It was just always like in there. They always tell us like, oh, man, that person's gay. They would always say it like it's like a, a bad thing mm -hmm. for that person to be gay. And then when I got older, started traveling, came to Los Angeles and all this stuff, started being around people and making my own decisions and seeing that these are just people who happen to love somebody that's the same sex. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, man. Hold up. Why are you why do you give a fuck about <laughs> Who it's they right. yeah. Why, why yeah, do you yeah. care about that? And and so my daughter, my daughter being a lesbian, like by the time when I found out, well, well, when when she finally said it, it wasn't this thing of, oh shit, how do I process this? It was like, oh okay, that's what you want to love, great, all right, no problem. Whereas when I see families that are petrified mm -hmm. about coming uh -huh. out. They, right. they, because they say, because you know you're gonna burn like they, I just saw the story about Gloria Stefan's daughter being scared that her grandma yeah. was was gonna just have a heart attack and I'm like well wait a minute but if you love someone and and, and the book says love it says nothing about hate then why would that be a bad thing so yeah. I guess what so for someone like you who studies this so much throughout history why do you think it is that in 2020 that we still have not gotten the basics of what the Bible is supposed to be, <laughs> which is uh, just love, love. I mean, can, can I, really yeah. quick, I don't want to plug you up, but I would yeah. say, I think the answer, but but I won't, I won't step on your answer, but I think also maybe, or the basics of what people say the Bible is supposed Correct. to be. Correct, yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. No, right. Pe people don't really read it, first of all. We know that. Uh, that have been, yeah. <laughs> Studies shown that that uh, non-believers know more accurately what's in the Bible than believers do. Um, they don't really read it. They read it selectively. They cherry pick. Uh, they start with what they want to be true, and then they hunt in the Bible for rationalizations to support what right. they. Uh, and we saw that. I mean, we saw that in the freaking Civil War, right? Like the, the the we have all these hardcore fucking Christians saying no, the Bible says slavery, and then we have all these hardcore fucking Christians in the North saying no, the Bible says no slavery, and and they're both reading the same damn book and they're fucking killing each other over it, right? And like they're both and they're both right, by the way. 
they are both, well, no, actually the Bible's totally pro-slavery, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there really isn't anything anti-slavery. I can but tell you, you about that. Yeah, yeah you, can, you, you, <laughs> you can, as they did, you can extrapolate, like you start with the golden rule, you go like, well, if you take the golden rule to its fullest extent, then it's anti-slavery. It's like, yeah, what you just proved is that the earliest Christians writing this book did not really think that through. It's basically what you're saying. They were totally pro-slavery. Um, they were they were in favor of slavery ending in the afterlife, right? Like like there would not <laughs> theoretically there would not be slaves in heaven. Man, but... which that sounds just like Trump's healthcare plan. <laughs> Like right. you, you get to learn it after yeah. I'm out of office. Oh my God. There, there are so many examples from, and uh, now I'm getting digressing shit. Okay. So there, <laughs> there's Origen, who's this Christian apologist from the third century, who's still a total bigot, but he's like somewhat more rational than the other Christians. Needless to say, he got declared a heretic in his works no. later, but, uh, <laughs> but he, he writes this thing about how like, you know, you really shouldn't have to worry about like the truth of things and worry, like studying and learning the reality, how, how physics works or any of that. J you'll learn all that after you're dead. As soon as you get up to heaven, well, then you'll be fully educated. And even like the truth of the Bible. Don't worry about what's really true about the Bible. You'll learn it when you're dead. You, you, like, don't Sorry. worry about it. Like, you'll just, what you got to do is believe. So you can get to the the room right. where they'll teach you all this stuff after you're dead. Like it's it's this very uh, clever rationalization. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, but, now, for, first lesson: this place fucking sucks. Uh, what? <laughs> I didn't know. That. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. You but don't to know. Are you are what you saying? about go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the bible actually does the, even the new testament actually has jesus himself promote hate like he talks about i am going to cause division uh if you don't hate your own mother and father and stuff and and turn to me uh like you'll be damned like there, there's a lot of hate language in there. there's a lot of contradictory messages right. uh in in the new even in the new testament uh that is absolutely true but there are things that are very unequivocally stated that current christians completely do the opposite of and the interesting thing is you know what the what the ancient greek word is for the opposite of christ like what? doing the opposite antichrist right okay so so if you worship the yeah. Antichrist, what does worship means? It means embodying the ideals of that thing. So like you, if you worship the Antichrist, if you follow the Antichrist, then you will embody the ideals of the Antichrist. Whereas if you worship Christ and follow the ideals of Christ, you will embody Christ, right? So what are the things that Christ said? Christ said, uh, do not pray as the hypocrites do in public. Go into a private closet by yourself and pray. Uh, what do the Christians do in America? Public prayer, even forced public prayer. Right mm -hmm. is the is the big thing. So you are so they are already right in that moment. They're following the antichrist. They're not following yeah. the Christ. Uh, and you could do you know turn the other cheek. Like Jesus, Jesus is extreme with this. Like uh, if someone enslaves you, just accept it. Don't even fight. Uh, if someone steals your stuff, yeah, black steals people. your coat. Literally <laughs> steals your coat off your back. Let them do it. Uh, if they ask for money, give it. Give them money. Don't even ask for it back. Uh, don't sue anybody. Right, like so, like don't know that you no, have eliminated ninety nine point nine percent of the population. <laughs> exactly, right. So all these Christians who think they're just doing what Christ would do, they're literally following the Antichrist. They're doing the opposite of what Christ is, which is literally in Greek, Antichrist, Antichrist. Uh, so uh, I love pointing this out. It really fucking messes up with messes Christian messes with Christians' heads. It's like, yeah, you're actually following the Antichrist. And here I can prove it. And it's really they can't get around it because there's no passages in the Bible that say, yeah, pray in public. 
not in the New Testament. No, Jesus says pray in private. You know, like Jesus's section on pacifism is really radically extreme, radical pacifism. Uh, and there's no support for like having a baseball bat by your bed or a, a guard dog that will chew people up, much less or, having or AK-47 or or police forces that beat and kill whoever. Right. Yeah. Like that, that, right. That's, that's, this is so anti-Christian is anti-Christ. Uh, and yeah. so to be, to be supporting this thing is to be supporting the anti-Christ. And, and that, that creates some cognitive dissonance with Christians, I think. And, and, and that, but that's why, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that we had you on because again, sometimes people, I'm pretty sure they'll watch Ian and I talk and they think that, oh, well, these dudes are just talking shit. Cause they don't really, you know, they, they probably, right. they, they probably think that, but to have people on like you, cause mm-hmm. you said something just a second ago that I think, uh, it, uh, basically, uh, embodies what I see in society that a lot of people who claim to believe don't really know the Bible. They yeah. don't really read it. They, they, they just kind of cherry pick their little parts. Yeah. I remember years ago I was doing this, I was working on a joke about religion and i was like you know let me look let me research some stuff just to look and see and i came across this sermon about from this mormon uh pastor preacher whatever and um it was in the 60s you know and so he's talking and and i thought i was gonna hear like some straight up fucked up racist stuff (laughs) he was like yeah you know uh we should all learn to love each other and we're all you know we're we're all good and all of this and he was and i'm like oh wow this is okay interesting and then he goes on to say that, they, you know, everyone will be welcomed into heaven. All good people will be welcomed into heaven or something like that. And then he says, uh, there are the three levels of heaven, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that only white people will be at the top level of heaven. <laughs> if, you, if you marry somebody, if you're white and you marry somebody black, you do not get to go to the top level of heaven. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> not even in heaven? It's not even even in heaven. We can't even get to the top level. What? And, and I was, then I start thinking Then my mind is just like, wait a minute, what is the top level versus the second and third? Like, do you have to still go to work on the second? Right, right. What, is, what are the distinctions? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what are, do you get paid vacation on the first and second level of heaven? <laughs> and so it was all of these things where I'm looking at this and not just when it comes to race, but when it comes to how people treat each other in general of saying, man, just be a good person. I mean, first of all, no one's perfect, but be a good person. But whenever I see people mm-hmm. condoning all of the bullshit, all of it, and saying, oh, well, because I'm a Christian, this why this is why I believe in this, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm, I, or I'm an evangelical because it came out where uh, the uh, uh, Falwell, is that the guy? That yeah, yeah recently. That with, the pool was... boy, with the pool boy. Yeah, and then uh... come, come to find out he has some shit, some dirt on him. And then this is part of the reason why he came out and endorsed uh, Trump. So to me, I'm like, man, it, you probably would have been better off saying, yeah, me and my wife like doing some freaky shit. It yeah. Is, is. yeah. That's the thing that really upset me about that uh, is that, and of course that just became toxic and everybody hates each other now. And like that, that relationship spun apart. But I, I'm thinking, I saw this that come out. I don't know people who know the story. If, if what happened was that Falwell and his wife and the pool boy, but I mean, he was more than that, but um, ended up basically in a, in a three-way relationship, right? In, in an, it was really an open three-way relationship with, for them, but they concealed it from the world. 
Right. Uh, and we're so desperate to conceal it from the world that when he, you know, first of all, like it went south because they, their values basically started shutting him out and basically. Uh, it was the only thing that went south. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were mistreating him. And, and so he comes out and then, of course, he nukes that relationship. And then, of course, now they're denying everything. But it's so obvious that it actually did happen. How much differently would that have gone had they not had this oppressive system that demanded that, oh, no, you can't have a three-way relationship. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, what if you could just do this and just be open about it? So, yeah, right. Like, we've got a third in our relationship and we really like him. He's really cool. My wife loves him. It's great. Um, they could have done that had we had a culture that would, would allow that to happen. Well, but see, no, we have a super oppressive culture. Also, their obsession with money is another factor here. Yeah. It's like they could easily have just walked away. They've got shit tons of money. They don't need to be making more money. They could just live the rest of their life on the shit wads of cash they have uh, and just leave and say, you know what? I don't like this oppressive system anymore. I don't want to be the right. I don't want to run oh. this college anymore. I don't want to do, I don't want to be your figurehead anymore. We've got this wonderful life. We're just going to go live our life. Uh, they could have done that, but they were so obsessed with, with money and prestige and status that, and, and their religion that they basically, basically created a, a nuked toxic relationship with everybody connected to them. And well, it's, it's all going down in flames because of that, basically. Especially when you say, if they didn't have this system in place, this oppressive system, because now you come to find out that Christians are okay with adultery. They're okay with fucking porn stars and paying them off. Yeah. They're okay with pedophilia. Well, they actually it aren't. On who does it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know what the, you know what the line is? I don't know if you've heard this, um, but I don't know if this is true anymore, but it was true for the first couple of years of Trump's presidency what evangelicals did to justify their their hypocrisy in supporting him. I mean, really, we're talking white evangelicals, right? So we're really talking about white supremacist Christianity. We're not really talking about, uh, we'll say covert white supremacist Christianity. They're not overtly white supremacists, but they're totally fucking white supremacists. Mm -hmm. um, but their rationalization was that when Trump was elected, then some sort of miracle happened that then he stopped sinning. Mm. So now he's God's agent, right? So he's a, he's a sin-free God's agent. And so we, we don't, we can forgive all the stuff before because it doesn't indicate anything. But, 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 but bearing false witness 22,000 times. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, of when, course, when, what when do they do? Yeah. They <laughs> rationalize that as, I mean, first of all, they rationalize that as he wasn't lying. Right. Uh, when that doesn't hold up, when the evidence is overwhelming, then they rationalize, well, politicians got to do what politicians got to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and then, and then, you know, the third sometimes stage. Sometimes that's fuck the pool boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the third stage is, is finally accepting like, oh, oh, yeah, we shouldn't support Trump. Uh, so you're starting to see like, uh, increasing uh, defection from the Trump yeah. camp. Uh, Over here, a couple comments. They're just more funny ones. But uh, <laughs> Robert Robert Hunter wanted you to know, uh, Ty, that the top level of heaven is air conditioned. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then uh, uh, Zen said, do Christians call it a trinity instead of a throuple? <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, Robert Hunter, this is kind of All interesting. Right. Falwell got a $10 million severance package. That's insanity. Yeah, there you go. That's the, the greed right That'll there. That'll buy a ton of pool boys. I was going to say. Um, yeah. But did you, did you hear the, the, the new thing about that Trump, uh, some of his, one person wrote that they, they uh, have finally accepted that Trump may have raped a 13-year-old, but they oh. said the reason why he did it was because he was going undercover. 
Yeah, come on. Oh, that's okay. That way, the QAnon. I'm assuming that's a QAnon storyline. So, um, he was it, trying to drain the swamp. Exactly. So, so I, I want to. I want to. I because again, like I said, for for me, I didn't try to fucking off. try. <laughs> but that's a good example of a extreme rationalization, right? Right. And, that and, defines the whole QAnon worldview. Is they do that, they rationalize things that way. And yeah. That's why. But that's why when. Having on having on someone that understands where some of these things come from and understand how far they can go is what I wanted our viewers. Yeah. To see, I wanted them to understand that there is a pattern to this. There is a, there's a rationale, mm -hmm. if you want to call it, for those people to to just let all of this stuff happen. And so, let me ask. So so for you, when you when you know all of this information. Cause like I I I'll call out people's bullshit, you know, just off the <laughs> surface shit that I see. Right. Yeah. You knowing what you know, when you hear and see the things that you hear and see, how hard is it for you not to call out every single fucking person? <laughs> that you uh, uh, you'd be pretty busy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, you have to pick your battles and uh, triage your time essentially. But I, I, I do what I do in the generic sense. I mostly do uh, general critiques of religion and make it available for free. Uh, so my blog is available for free. Thanks to the support of generous patrons who actually help fund my writing so that, that, that they're actually paying for everybody else to be able to access this stuff that is critiquing religion generally. Um, I do occasionally go after individuals when they themselves have done something so egregiously demonstrably false that I can actually call them out for it. Um, but in general, I'm usually just making the general point that you just made, which is that religion is mostly a tool that people use to rationalize their bigotries and their prejudices. Uh, you, you start with what you want to be true and then you mold your religion, you use your scriptures or whatever to rationalize it. And, and as soon as you become aware that you're doing that, and most people don't, but it, as soon as you become aware that you're doing that, then it becomes worrying. And the cognitive dissonance, hopefully, will lead you to say, yeah, I need to stop doing that. I need to start reversing the order of things and saying, like, what should I believe based on the evidence? What should I be doing based on the evidence? Even like you talk about politics, I always talk about evidence-based politics let's not start with the ideology and so we, we should have a certain way of system based on our ideology no let's look at outcome measures what actually freaking works and so a good example i use with christians is like so you're against abortions you don't want abortion you want to reduce the number of abortions are you is that your outcome measure less abortions I'm like yes okay okay excellent let's let's okay so let's now we're in evidence bill so, so right we've got a goal we've got a goal is reduced abortions what reduces abortions does outlawing abortions reduce abortions no it doesn't really you know what reduces abortions that's scientifically demonstrated to reduce abortions free iud's and we we have a, a demonstration in Colorado where they they just they just gave free IUDs for I don't remember for how long, uh, and the, all the markers like teen pregnancy went down, abortion rates went down, everything went down that they want to go down, free IUDs. That's all it was, but they're yeah. so against this. Like ideologically, they're against this. Is like, but we should be making policy and moral decisions based on outcomes, not based on what you think you, your fantasy well, of how the world works but on how the world really works. And as it is, 
birth control actually reduces abortion. So if you want to get rid of abortion, this is your goal. This is what you should be. Able, you should be pro birth control, pro government funded IUDs, well, right? Uh, and that's you could pick any issue in, in the same pattern. Falls but out. that's but that's why I think that that when you exactly that thing right there is why I have trouble whenever they bring up how they're Christians and what they believe in and why I have, no, 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 you, you shouldn't do I'm like, well, okay. And, and just to fuck with them one day, I said, you know what? <laughs> I said, I said, I tell you what, cause like, I'm like, if you're going to be crazy, I'm going to be crazy. Let's <laughs> just do that today. So what I put out there one day is, is, you know, that somebody was talking about anti-abortion. I said, you know what? I agree. Abortion is wrong. So what we need to do is set up a national adoption sign up. Period. Yeah. If you're against it, put your name on the list. That way, whenever someone has the baby, they'll just bring the baby to you, sign off on it like a package from Amazon. Boom. You got <laughs> kid. Here you go. You raise this kid, take care of all the bills. Oh, and you got to handle some of the mom's medical bills and all of that stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. Too. I proposed this to somebody. <laughs> and when I put this out there, here's what's crazy. Here's what the Christians said. It's like, well, wait a minute. That's it's not my responsibility to take care of the child. I said, but no, no, no. Here, I, I'm saying <laughs> if you're gonna have the right you to, to say what they do, then I'm saying that way it's a win-win. You get a kid, they get to right. do what they do. Well, you know what? Yeah. Do you know what you've exposed? Said, there? Even further, I said, let's go even further. Since since we're controlling yeah. lives, I said. I want a national mandate to be able to tell people who eat unhealthy food to not be able to eat what they fucking eat. And do you know, they stopped communicating with me. <laughs> but really quickly, I would take, take it two steps. I would take two steps for, further. Number one is I would say the second that that person decides they want to have an abortion, you need to take the baby out, deliver it since it's viable. It's a human deliver it and keep it alive so you've got now a four-week-old fetus in a tiny jar test tube somewhere you're not only you're adopting that thing and you got to bring that thing to turn to fund it side of the universe right, right. you got to figure that out figure out yeah. how, how to make make it a, a viable but also if we're going to say that abortion is murder then we have to without a doubt make miscarriages involuntary manslaughter and right. involuntary manslaughter carries a penalty too. So yeah. now the God is the biggest abortioner of all time because there's, right, right, there's, yeah, yeah. there's more numbers of of of, of yeah. miscarriages than there are of abortion. So now every woman By who far. has an abortion who gets who whatever I mean who has a miscarriage, now you're up for you're in trouble. Now you're going. Now you're up for involuntary yeah. manslaughter. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> David, what were you gonna? So you're saying, Richard? Well, I was gonna say what what Ty exposed uh, is what uh, what anti-abortionism is really all about is it's really not about, like they've rationalized and convinced themselves it's about babies, but it really isn't. Yeah. They think parenthood is a punishment. Yeah. So th th that's why they say it's not my responsibility. That, that statement is that, no, it's she should be punished with single parenthood for having sex. How dare sex she have sex? Yeah, that's it, exactly. for sure. Right. Uh, you should only have sex within marriage. And it's and of course, they're very weak and defending. Right. Men, because if you push them on that, they're like, well, yeah, I have sex and I had sex and I don't mind having sex and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's very much an anti sex. It's this obsession with being anti sex, abhorring the idea that other people are having fun and having sex. Rush Limbaugh did this, but the whole like uh, attacking that one woman for. Um, being standing up in front of Congress and talking about how healthcare should, 
state healthcare should cover birth control. And he's like slamming her as a slut and so on. Uh, and no, it's very much, it's an anti-sex ideology. It's really about that. And they really have this idea that parenthood is a punishment. It's not great. It's not a good thing. It's something that is ghastly and harmful. And it's a thing that single women deserve. They deserve it. If they have sex, they deserve to be punished. Should have kept your legs closed. Right. Right. And, and so they, they, they don't really, they don't really have compassion for the children. Right. Which we know because they always oppose welfare. They oppose every conceivable thing that would make things better for the kids. And they never say to the guy, keep your dick in your pants. Well, also that. Yeah. It's always always (laughs) keep your legs closed. Yeah. You should, you know, um, you should have thought about that before you had sex. It it is really all about sex. It's it's an anti-sex ideology. And then they rationalize because they don't want to admit that. They don't want to say that outright. So they rationalize it as being about babies and, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to kill babies, but that's just a rationalization. Really, they're anti-sex. It's all about trying to punish people for having sex out of wedlock. Yes. That's what it's really all about. Uh, and that gets to my point earlier. I always ask, like, why do you care? Right. And, and there's two ways I can answer that, honestly, or they can lie. And when they right. lie, because they haven't asked this question, they'll make yeah. shit up off the fly. And you can usually catch them at that. Like, so you've it's, never said that before. Let's, let's reason that out. Like, your, your answer doesn't make sense, et cetera. Once you start going at motives, you start to expose what's really going on there. And, and it, it is really bigotries and prejudices that they're rationalizing with this architecture of religion. Your strategy is what I do now with, when, I, when I talk about anything that involves taxes. People always go, oh, you want to tax us. I don't want to pay any more taxes. And I just go, what do you mean by that? You, you don't want to pay taxes. Explain to me, why don't you want to, I go, why don't you want to pay more taxes? And they always say, well, I, I'm already paying enough. I don't want to pay more. Okay, so you're worried about having less money per month out of your paycheck. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So you think that a a 4% tax raise would take 4% of your paycheck and that's what you're opposed to. Yes. Cool. How much do you make? 50,000 a year. Okay. So $2,000 a year is, is what you're worried about or whatever, right? Whatever. Okay, cool. So if I didn't call it a tax and I saved you 10,000, but I took 2000 earlier You'd be saving, I'd be giving you $8,000 and healthcare. <laughs> Would that be cool? Let me, like, let, me, let me reiterate, Ian Harris is great with numbers, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's always like, yeah. they're just afraid of the word tax. Yeah, I'm taxed to death. How do we tax? And what it comes down to is they just want to have more money. And it's like, yeah. when you explain it to them, no, look, you will have more money. If we take all the, we're paying 57% to corporate welfare and the military. If we cut that, increase the rich people's taxes, yeah. even if yours go up 2%, but we save you on college tuition and healthcare and this and that and all these other things, you're making more money. Isn't that the whole fucking point? Yeah. Which, just By because you way, call it a tax. What's, what's crazy about that is that those same, some of those same people will eagerly go to the church and give them 10%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ten <laughs> percent is a lot too, exactly. uh, especially if you're if you're not wealthy. Ten uh, percent hurts. Exactly. And they're not again. And and they're and they're cool with the church not paying taxes. That's right. Yeah. Tax free. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, it's that is a good example of people's short term versus long term reasoning. Most people only see short term. You see the the negative on your paycheck. Oh, bad. But they don't. 
they don't work out like, well, actually, what am I getting for that? Uh, roads, fire, uh, firefighting, police, um, like all uh, fucking clean water, right? Like uh, there's like tons and t- uh, a building that won't kill me, like when during an earthquake, right? Like people don't, it's too many steps of causation to think through what they're getting for that money, what that money actually bought for them, right? That they what, benefit I mean, from way, every day. I- we have to go pretty soon, but I, I wanted to bring this up because I don't, I don't know what he means. And maybe you can clarify or maybe we can talk about this. Maybe you know. But Ad- Adrian says, I'm taking ethics class and we're going over some pro-choice arguments. And the arguments you are presenting are at third grade level compared to real academic <laughs> arguments for pro-choice <laughs> position, LOL. And then he said, check out Judith Jarvis Thompson's arguments for abortion. Oh, that's far, wait. far more sophisticated yeah. and thorough. But I'm like, we I didn't really get into any of that. Yeah, uh, Jar- Jarvis is the she's she I think is the one who came up with the violinist argument. By the way, Adrian, um, you, Adrian came in late. Uh, Richard could probably teach whoever they're teaching the ethics class. Yeah. He could probably teach that guy the class. So anyway, right, we we didn't really go deep into the arguments, pro-choice arguments at all in this right. conversation. Yeah, um, it's comedy. We're joking, but we're joking. yeah, yeah, we're also that. <laughs> Uh, no, Jar- Jarvis was uh, the uh, the violinist argument, right? She she famously, I think she's the one who famously came up with that one, which is that if you just woke up one day and you're in a hospital, you didn't check into, and you but you're wired up to this violin, this famous violinist, and and people tell you, well, like this violinist can only survive if we draw blood from you, so you have to stay here in this bed feeding this violinist. Uh, and you can't choose to say, well, fuck that. I didn't consent to this and cut the cords and walk. It's like, oh, but you're killing this famous violinist. Uh, and and the, the argument there is like, try to get people to realize that the consent does require the, the ability to choose to cut that cord, right? Um, and... Uh, that's a high level level of organization argument because you can criticize that with the example of Siamese twins. Can one Siamese twin murder the other one? Cause it's literally an actual historical example of, of what the violinist argument is. And then, then it gets dicier, right? So that, that, that's uh, all right. So like the violinist argument is not as brilliant as people think it is. Uh, I'm not saying that it fails. I'm just saying that it, it is, it is murkier uh, than you think. Once you start thinking of real world scenarios, this is the problem I have with philosophy in general is they often create these hypotheticals that are so divorced from sure. reality that, that they can help us understand semantically what we're talking about. But, but really philosophy needs to deal in reality. So you need to start with real world examples. So you really should right. be starting with Siamese twins. If you think that your heart, sharing your heart with someone that you can cut them off and kill them, you're talking about a Siamese twin killing their twin. Are you are you okay with that? Uh, and you know that I'm not saying that there. I'm not citing one way or another on this argument. I'm just saying that that's what you should be talking about because that's a right. real. But real but, but, but again, but but the other thing is that, like it, for me, all these he says it's third a third grade argument. Well, first off, it's a third grade argument because it's a fucking. It's that's a fucking also second, true. <laughs> it's a it's a second grade argument on the other side. Yeah, yeah, you're no, it's valid. Yeah, you're making a you're the literal only reason for abortion for being against abortion is a religious one and there's not even anything in the bible actually yeah. find, find in, in the constitution or the bible where it says anything about abortion no uh, there, there's one passage in the old testament which actually, actually he, in the original he does a lot of abortions in the bible but well in the original translation there is a there is an arc there is a passage about uh murdering a fetus um okay. but it, it actually distinguishes 
in some cases that's a property crime in other cases it's murder uh it, incidentally it's a property crime against the father because you're depriving right. the father of future income because that's fuck how fucked up the bible is uh but uh, okay. but so there is in there and actually that's mentioned in roe v wade i highly right. recommend people who have not read roe v wade right. read the whole fucking decision because it is brilliant it's one of the best examples of philosophy of abortion theory uh it does it goes from history it actually starts from actual particular scientific and historical facts which right. is how philosophy should operate you should start right. from real world shit and then get to your your well, conclusions from it well, uh roe v wade is really good on this so i, I highly recommend it. it has not been surpassed i think in terms of and, and my, my other point is this look uh this is where, where it comes down to for me and i think this is where it should come down to period and i don't i've never heard an argument that that that, that has refuted this on any level it comes down to viability. Mm -hmm. A conjoined twin is a viable, living, breathing human. A heartbeat, uh, you know, I mean, uh, first off, you're talking human life. So we have to do, we have to say that human life is more important than other life, if that's what we're going to say, because mm -hmm. a fucking spider has a goddamn heartbeat. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Has a, a that's, that's when they get to genetics. It's like, but, but a clump of right. cells is human. And it's sure. like, so ah, it's, it's like, equivocation. So is okay. Look, if I don't want to be pregnant, what it boils down to is what you said earlier. It's all about you shouldn't have had sex. And there's no other argument you can make it other than I don't like that you had sex and yeah. something happened. You got raped. Your birth control gave up. Whatever the deal was, you had sex. I don't like it. Because the fact is, if I'm at four weeks pregnant, and of course, I can't be pregnant, women. I am not saying that me. I'm saying if I was a woman and I was pregnant four weeks or, or eight weeks, and I say, you know what? I don't want this. Mm -hmm. And you say you have to have it. I go, cool. Deliver it now. And the response is, <laughs> it can't be delivered now. It's not viable. Okay. Yeah. So how can you say it's a living, breathing human if it's not a viable entity that doesn't require me? Period. End of st story. Full stop. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Deliver it and put it up for adoption. It's one day old. Deliver it and put it up for adoption. Take this fertilized egg and put it up for adoption. That's it. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'll deliver the baby now. You put it up for adoption. If you can't do that... It's not a living, fucking, breathing human being, and right. therefore, shut the fuck up. Because yeah, there's no other yeah. arguments. Yeah. My, my take on it is consciousness. Uh, how how self-conscious do we already have an identity of person who's forming an identity, or do we just have a body that's waiting for that to happen? Um, but and I've written about this many places. You can find it on the secular web and see where I, I had a whole a debate. There's a debate between me and uh, a woman by name Miss Roth uh, on the secular web where we go in. She, we're both atheists, incidentally, and she's anti-choice and I'm pro-choice. Uh, and I go through and I, I reference Roe v. Wade and, and the science and so on. Uh, and I talk about what my position is there. Um, so people who want to see what my position is on that and why it is that, uh, I think that still holds up. That debate between me and Miss Roth uh, is, is still validly my position on abortion. But you're absolutely right. Like, <laughs> you talk about third grade arguments. Like, we really should have solved bodily autonomy by third grade. That is actually, right. like, <laughs> that's, well, that, is, uh, that, is, that is true. I wanted to, it's, it's, so we, I don't get too far from where we were. I know we got to wrap it up in a second. Yeah. But again, it, it does come down to uh, to both you guys' points. But here's the other thing. And this is where I would I'm, I'm pro-choice. It's, it's your body and, and it's your circumstances, your your um, you have to think about what is best for that child if you bring it in the world. And if you cannot afford to take care of the child. Not just financially. A lot of people think it's just about money. I'm talking Emotional about too. 
emotionally, yeah. if you cannot provide for that child, you should not, because again, yeah, no, that's a, a, spot a, on reasoning. A friend of mine told me who said, he said, well, again, I, cause I asked him about the kids in cages. I said, Hey man, so you're telling me it's okay that that kid is ripped from their family at the border lost. They'll never see their parents again. They're, they possibly are assaulted or raped in a cage. And you're telling me you're okay with that. And, and I kid you not, his ex exact response was, well, at least they're alive to experience that. And I said, <laughs> man, are you fucking crazy? I said, you don't think that that yeah. psychological experience is not going not gonna to stay with that human being? And to, to what you said, Richard, about yeah. once you can form your opinions, you don't think that that kid is going to form an opinion after being taken from their parent and left to die or get assaulted. So what I say to these yeah. people who are so pro pro um, uh, 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 anti-abortion, I'm like, listen, yeah. you have to show me that you care about the life after it's born. So yeah. you did that and you said, okay, I'll take the child. I'll give the child a ha happy and healthy life. I will provide the medicals. If you did that, I'm not going to lie. There would be a part of me that said, yeah. You're walking to walk and talking That's to right. talk. Yeah. But if true. you're just telling me that all you want to do is be able to tell me whether I can or can't have the kid, and then after the kid is born, fuck the kid and yeah. fuck me for having it. Stop. Yeah. This, it comes down to just this idea of you just want to control something that is right. really none of your business. That's it's right. No, that life. is it. Yeah, it really does come down to that. That is absolutely true. So I, I honestly. I don't know, man. I, I I get tired of people when they first of all, religion shouldn't even be involved in politics. It it says separation of church and state. It it really and and sometimes when you when when I keep hearing people talk about it, I'm like, did I not hear that? Did I not hear the separation of church and state? Um especially Yeah, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. No, that, religion religion defines morality morality should define politics they can't divorce them that's the which is why our founding fathers made it that way it's like yes. people can't fucking get it out so we're gonna fucking get it out by law but you know everybody's trying to get it back in basically yeah. and, and so this is at some point we have to you have to show and prove on both sides if you care about life you have to care about all life whether right. it's in the body or whether yeah. it's out of the body but when i see these people easily turn on 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 people once they're born it's like oh yeah. not my nope yeah. i had my say that's, yeah, that's it. right yeah you get no money you get no school you get no health care exactly it, it, in a cage like if they <laughs> yeah no no it, it's accurate things, yeah. if, if they provided those things to people after the child was born then i would at bare minimum i'd be able to say well eh, they are trying to yeah, they're trying to live by their word, pro-life. <laughs> but yeah, when but yeah. when they could give less than a damn once the kid is born, and when the person, I told you, one of the people said, well, it's not my responsibility to take care of their bad decisions. Oh, That's well, then it. why do you give a fuck right. about their decision whether you think it's bad or not to have the kid or not? Yeah. yeah. And these are also the same people who are almost always pro-death penalty and pro-war. So it's yeah, right. <laughs> a, a big shit. 
Spoonful right. and shut the fuck up. And and so, our blue light flowing a blue lives matter flag out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, we we are definitely over. We got, we didn't get to what yeah. I want. So I was about to no, no, we, I want to come really back. We, we got to do that. We got to come back. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. Right, for so, sure. This, this has is, been awesome, though. I love I love this conversation. Me, this was so fun. You, uh, let me tell you. First of all, bro, it's always great to have people on the show that know exactly what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fantastic, whether it's at a second grade level or third grade or third grade level. <laughs> no, Ian, uh, Ty, both you guys. Uh, I definitely want to come back and talk about Jesus from outer space, which we didn't talk that's, about. That's what today. I wanted. To, I wanted you to right, right. Yeah, we, we've got to come yeah, back go ahead, go ahead. and do that. Uh, and and in which, in that case, I will actually promote it in advance because I didn't realize you were doing a, a live. No worries. Oh, no, but you can't. But you still, you still can tell people where to look out for that. In, yeah, in, yeah but, but, let, but let's have, but let's have Richard back on too because I really, I wanted to get to there, and it was like Jesus. We got so wrapped up. We're like, yeah, no, it was over. awesome. I loved it. Yeah, but let's do that for sure and tell people what what it is really quick so people at least have an idea. Just yeah. So my book. latest book, my ninth book, which I which I opened with, so we've gone full circle. Uh, is Jesus from Outer Space? Uh, what the earliest Christians really believed about Christ, uh, and it is a, a quick two hundred page book for a popular market for just anybody who doesn't know anything about biblical studies or Christianity, uh, making the point that pro there might actually not have been a Jesus, like not even in a mundane, ordinary historical sense. Uh, and if you find that incredible, uh, check out that book because I go into why that makes sense. Uh, and I'm basically summarizing and distilling it down to the bare minimum argument of a peer reviewed book that I, I published with a major biblical studies press making the same point. So this is not a, a crank outside the academia argument. This is an actually an in the field argument that has been made. Uh, and if you want to check that out, Jesus from outer space uh, tells you all about how, whether Jesus existed or not, the earliest Christians really did think he was an extraterrestrial. And if you don't, if you don't understand or believe me on that, uh, it is covered in the book. I demonstrate the point. So uh, check it out. Just dropped this month. Uh, so that book is available, Kindle and print uh, audio early next year. Nice. Thank you, bro. Cool. Um, uh, I want to, again, thank you for, for being on the show. I want to thank our uh, listeners and, and watchers, viewers, Derek, Todd, Kim, David, Ebony, uh, and we also had Reggie, uh, and thank you all for tuning into the show. Uh, and, uh, Tavon, just see Adrian, uh, yes, as well. So thank you, uh, guys for tuning into the show. Ian, close us out. Um, yes, uh, well, please subscribe. Just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com, critical and thinking, um, and, uh, like the page because we come here every Friday at noon. And then our stuff drops on regular podcast, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, all those things where you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to it to download it. Please do that. Like, rate, review, all that sort of stuff. I know a lot of people watching on Facebook. We're getting bigger and bigger on Facebook all the time. But please, when we, later on, go and download it because that's where the numbers come in. That's what, what matters to us. So go to, the, go to your favorite uh, I, uh, podcast uh, purveyor, I guess, and download the, an episode as well. We've got a bunch on there from like all the way back. God, we're going on like a close to a hundred now. So we've got, some, we've got some, some backlog, go listen to them. We've had some great, great stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then you can, you know where to find me, but, but be sure also, if you want to go on our Patreon, we don't really do anything extra. We are very upfront about that, but if you want to kick us a couple of bucks on Patreon to keep going, that's cool. Patreon.com slash critical and thinking. Uh, yeah, we had a bunch of people over here. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, uh, Lineholm says that, well, actually she always uses her last name. Anyway, Lindsay says, Hey Richard, um, there's a few people, 
uh, that I have to say thank you to as well, Krista and Zan and Joe and Robert and there's tons of people today, tons of people uh, chiming in, Tam. Um, and then Adrian, we didn't get to go to it, but I, I, I'm posting about something right now for him on the other side about next week, Adrian, if you want to bring on the, you're, you're saying that pro-life people give more charity and not twice as much as the general public. Uh, being as how they're 30 to 5, 40% of the country is pro-life. I'm very highly critical of that. You would need to post a source of that, especially when I know for a fact per capita, it's secular groups that give more to charity. But um, can I say, uh, let me let me give a really special shout to everybody who has been with us from the be- not just from the beginning, but also the people. I mean, we I know we've been doing this regularly on a Friday at noon, and that helps. But I want to say a sincere thank you to all of the viewers who have stuck with us. They tune into the show. Uh, no pun intended, religiously, they tune in um, and, and check us out. And they're waiting, you know, every week they're here for us and, and they're giving us feedback and all that. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart from helping for helping us build this thing that we continue to build. Indeed. And very special thanks again to Richard Carey. We're definitely 100% going to have you on yeah. next week. Next week, we're going to have, uh, I was hoping to get you guys on at the same time. It didn't work, but maybe we'll have you guys like on at the same time another time. Next week, another historian, Daniele Bellelli, who's the host of the, uh, the History on Fire podcast. Uh, a lot of people know Dan- Daniel, uh, Daniele. I know him as Daniel, but uh, he's on next week. Um, and it would be cool to have you two on together at some point. That would be fucking awesome conversation. Yeah, that would be. But yeah. It would be cool. So thanks, Richard. We'll see you all next time. Have a great weekend. Peace. Vote. Vote yeah. early. Vote, vote early. Everybody or vote. As Trump says, vote twice. <laughs> Don't do that. Just vote once. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) All right. Out. See y'all.